on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Starting off 2023 on January 3rd, a Tuesday, it feels weird. Kind of like new underwear, a little restrictive. We'll wiggle around in a little bit, stretch it out, see how we feel at the end of all this. LA Galaxy starting 2023 in total uncertainty. We're going to discuss that. Kevin Baxter is back, so we're going to talk a little World Cup with him. We also have the Aaron Long chase and what the result of that is literally changing as we sort of come down this last stretch here. Glad we could have you. Happy 2023. Hope everybody had a wonderful, wonderful new year. I don't want to waste too much time with me talking. I want to get to the man who probably has the better voice of us tonight. This will probably be the first and only time we get to say that. Uh, but he is back, and we're glad to have him back because, quite honestly, he was gone for much, much, much too long. Uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter from the LA Times, back from the World Cup. How's it going, Kev? Hey, what's that stuff on your face? Did you just not wash? Wait, which, 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 which is that? Yeah, oh, oh this, this. like I've had that forever. You know that. It just seems like like you haven't realized that. You know, I like the new opening with the cars and stuff. Yeah, driving. slowly. Yeah. But for this show, wouldn't it be more appropriate if there was like a big crash, like a sig alert or it, something? It feels like we should just be watching some sort of dumpster fire. Maybe I'll find a dumpster fire video and put that in the back. That would be time. really appropriate. I will. By the way, yeah. I got a I got a question for you to start off. How is the Republican Party like the LA Galaxy? <laughs> How is that? Neither one has a president that they will acknowledge at this moment. There you go. Neither one has a leader. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and it, it's an interesting question. I know we're going to get to it. I don't want to jump ahead though. You were in the. You were at the World Cup. You were at. I was. You were at. I heard. I heard. I was. Someone told me I was there. Yeah. Did somebody take a picture of you while you were there? Someone took a picture of me in the airport. It's a good thing I was behaving. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I, I texted you and I was like, hey, uh, just so you know, some, one of our listeners saw you and, and sent me this picture of you. No way. <laughs> what, what I want to know is why they didn't come up and say hello. Um, Am I unapproachable? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yes, exactly. No, you were probably in that elite status club that all you hoity-toity LA yeah. Times reporters fly in, right? I was drinking champagne and cutter. Yeah, that's what you were. So, so tell me. I mean, uh, give me, give me some some indication. We didn't really get to talk all that much while you were gone. The time difference was always pretty wacky. We would pass. Yeah, we would sort of pass like ships in the night at, at one point. Yeah, every once in a while. hour time difference. I well, it's the worst. It was the worst World Cup ever, um, from my perspective. Okay? okay, and I'd I'd love to hear from the fan who took the picture or, or any other people who were there as fans because I know the perspective from journalists and I know the perspective from uh, some of the organizers, I know the perspective of some of the players. The players, for the most part, I think really liked it because 
Um, they get to stay in one place. They unpacked the first day they got there, and then they repacked the day they left. It, it was unlike Brazil, where the World Cup in Brazil, where uh, the U.S. team traveled over 13,000 miles, where they were always packing a suitcase to go off for a couple of days and coming back. This time they stayed in one place, and the, the accommodations were unbelievable. I mean, you know, there's, you talk about five-star resort or hotel. These were like 25-star resorts and hotels, the places uh, that these players get to stay. And the fields were nice. Um, but for us as journalists, the problem with those 10 o'clock games, um, you know, they were 10 o'clock in, in Qatar. They were 11 a.m. here, which, which I guess was good. But for us, you'd, you'd have to get on to put some sort of transportation, public transportation or media bus, whatever, get to the stadium, generally three or four hours before the game. Game would start at 10 um, the media part of that, the interviews and stuff afterwards, wouldn't be done till about 1.30 in the morning. Then you have to realize that the subway stopped running at 3 or the media bus last one's at 3.30. So you write a little bit, then you get on whatever transportation you're taking to come home. The point is, well, you don't get done writing until 6 in the morning, and then you got to get up at noon the next day to start all over again. So, right. uh, and, and unlike, say, Russia, where the games were spread out all over a huge country, the stadiums were 35 miles apart. So you could go to a game every day. I went to 20 games in 28 days, which sounds like that's great. And it was great, but it also means there were no days sort of to recover and do laundry and just sleep in, uh, you know, and it, it really took a toll. So that's why I say it was the, it was the worst world cup from that perspective. Um, from the perspective of what happened on the field, I thought it was really exciting. I think Morocco was really, was really an exciting team to watch. I saw them play, I think four or five times, um, Argentina, obviously very good. France was exciting to watch. There was a lot of uh, good games and the stadiums were really nice. Um, everybody got sick. I, you are dealing with a th- uh, throat thing too. I am still coughing. I've been sick for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. I know Greg Berhalter said the entire U.S. coaching staff was sick at one point. Um, a lot of the teams, Brazil had some guys. The Netherlands had o- over half their team were sick at one point. What the players told me is that they – we're blaming it on the air conditioning and the air conditioning in Qatar is omnipresent. It's everywhere. Right. If you go into a building, that's about 65 degrees and you step outside and it's 90, the stadiums were air conditioned. There was air conditioning on the field. The players felt air conditioning and they complained about it. They, they didn't think it was filtered correctly for one thing. <clears throat> There's my cough. And then just the temperature change going from mm-hmm. 60 to 90 to 60 again. Yeah. Um, and the other thing with the World Cup, too, I generally get sick at World Cup, not this bad, but generally get sick at World Cups because there's people from all over the world. So someone from Somalia comes in with their Somali germs and someone from Japan, and then we bring our American germs, right. and you mix, mix it, it all, all together, together. Yeah. in an enclosed environment where the air is recirculated, and it's just a, uh, it's a virus Petri dish. Yeah. It, the it, country, the, the country was interesting. Uh, the country was interesting. As you know, you and Leslie were talking about it. I I got in trouble with the authorities for wearing a rainbow colored uh, COVID mask. Right. Um, And that continued to be an issue. Um, You know, what you could wear, what you couldn't wear, what could, uh, um, the whole human rights issues, uh, the workers' rights issues. Um, It was an interesting World Cup off the field as well. Yeah, it, it, it certainly seems like all that was there. Uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll ask you about the soccer side of things. And then also, I know that there was there was not a very good part about this as well that I don't know if you want to talk about at all. Um, but the uh, was there a favorite game that you had that you went to that you were sort of like this? OK, you know, that that was that was probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, the final was right. incredible. Yeah. You know, um, people said it was the greatest final ever. And, and, and 
I think it was the greatest final that people saw this year, and so they were excited about it. But <laughs> if you really break down all the finals, uh, France just did not play well for the first 70 or 75 minutes. So to say it was the greatest final ever when the first 75 minutes were not compelling at all, Argentina just dominated in every way. Certainly the last you know, extra time was amazing. The, the penalty kick shootout was great. Um, just seeing Messi and Mbappe sort of like – it was like nobody else was on the field. I mean, everyone was focused on them, and – it was real like two heavyweights slugging it out. Messi scores, Mbappe scores, Messi scores, Mbappe scores. It That was really exciting, This the one-on-one battle between those two. Messi was not going to let this World Cup get away. I think that was the part that became clear. He was going to win this one. Um, and, and Mbappe was probably the best player in the tournament and uh, finished second. His, his team finished second. And, you know, that, that's gonna, it, it, that could cost him. I think he's the best player in the world. And a lot of the opposing coaches said that now he is the best player in the world. You know, this would have been his second World Cup triumph at 23. Only Paley has done that. Right. And, you know, if he's around another 12 years, so another three World Cups, you know, he could break Paley's record for for most World Cup victories at three. Now he's got a a little bit steeper of a climb. Right. Um, But France overcoming all those injuries. I I think the Morocco-Spain game was also really, really exciting. Scoreless game that went to penalty kicks. Right. Right. Well, well, you had that. It was funny. I think right before the semifinals, you were like, you you t- you had texted me. You're like, how about we just give everybody trophies and we all go home? You you were, you, were yeah. you and I can understand like the weariness that sort of sets in at that point, going through all those different things. And and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll ask you about Grant um, and and everything that happened just just around Grant Wall. I know that's not a fun topic to talk about, but I think people are at least a little interested in what your perspective no. was of that. You know, a lot of people have asked about that. Grant was sitting right behind me in the press box the day that uh, that he died. Um, and I had seen him before the game, um, saw him in the media center. We uh, you know, went up to the media tribune. Now, they, one thing that's kind of a key to this story is they do not have press boxes at uh, foreign stadiums, whether it's the Olympics or whether it's an EPL game or whether it's uh, a World Cup. They have what's called a media tribune, and you essentially sit in the stands now you have a desk that you can work at and there's electricity and things. So you're not sitting in the stadium seat, but you're in the stands. There's fans on the right, there's fans on the left, there's fans behind you. Uh, so you're in the stands. Um, so Grant was sitting behind me um, and I said hello to him again during the national anthem. And then, you know, we were both focused on the game. In fact, Grant sat just before Grant died, just, just seconds before he'd sent out a tweet about the the goal that sent the game into, into extra time. Um, and I heard a bunch of my colleagues behind me screaming for security to come. And I turned around and I thought it sounded like there was maybe a fire in the press box. Someone's computer caught fire or something. I didn't know what it was. And they were screaming and security rushed there. They were there within seconds. And then I looked down the end of the aisle and it was the seat where Grant was. And I, it, it didn't register with me immediately. And I thought, oh, my God, that poor guy, that poor old man. Right. Has apparently had a heart attack. And then I realized, oh, my God, that's not an old man. That's Grant. He's 49. Right. He was just completely white as a sheet. His eyes were, you know, I don't want to get too graphic, right. but yeah. you could tell that, you know, my first thought was he's dead. And, you know, it's just, it didn't look like there was any hope, but they did come in, you know, they did bring in the paddles. I didn't see them use the paddles. They did bring them in, but they, the, the thing was talking about the press box, they couldn't transport him out because we're in the stands and the game was still going on and it was in extra time. And, you know, people around us didn't know what had happened and they were really into the game and, and they certainly couldn't get a stretcher through the crowd. Now, if it was that 
Dignity Health Sports Park, we're in a press box. They could have brought the stretcher in. Grant would have been in an ambulance in less than five minutes. And right. I, I don't think that would have made a difference. And, and Celine, right. his wife, said it wouldn't have made a difference. Um, there was no foul play. Grant had the same uh, chest situation, chest cold, that all of us had at the time. He went to see a, a couple of doctors, told, and they told him he had bronchitis. I don't think that that's necessarily true, but that had nothing to do with his condition. Um, his his wife, who was a medical doctor, said that, or an immunologist in any case, said that it, it you know it was probably there. You know that the condition he had was probably there for a long time, and he didn't know anything about it. Right. But the weird thing is, is you know, first of all, you know, both you and I, we've had our issues with Grant, and mm-hmm. and that's not and it, that's not secret, and that's not anything to even take away from Grant. Grant was a great reporter. Um, he did more than uh, for than uh, for soccer in the U.S. than probably you know any twenty journalist. But he had sharp elbows, and if you got near a story that was his, he let you know that you were treading on his turf. I stopped following him on Twitter about a year and a half ago because there were so many clashes between what he thought was his story and what I thought was my story. So um, it's complicated, but that doesn't mean we have any less respect for Grant or what he did. Um, but the weird thing was, so this happens. We call security. The, doc- the, the doctors come. They're there. They're taking care of, of Grant. Um, and then the game ends, and so you're kind of like, well, what do I do now? Right. And all of us went downstairs to the press conference, and it wasn't until later you realized, man, that was kind of an effed up thing to do. But what are you going to do? You can't help them. You can't. Um, you know, I thought a couple of days later, God, I wonder who took his stuff out of the media tribune, who who closed up his computer, who grabbed his bag, and you know, I guess the the medical people did. But that's it, kind of a journalism thing. It's like. Well, I can't be of any help here. I'm going to go do my job. And right. then afterwards, you think, man, that was really messed up. I, I can tell you that everybody's story, all the American media, the stories that we wrote from that game, it was Argentina and Netherlands, and nobody wrote a good story because no one could concentrate. Right. The stories were terrible. Um, a lot of guys didn't go to games for a couple of days after that. And when we did return to that same stadium, right. which is Lucille, where the final was played, I noticed the American media, we were all grouped together and we were all down very close to the field in the front row of the press box or the media tribune. And I thought, well, that's great. I guess we're getting a little bit of respect now. The American media, we're going to hold the last World Cup. So they're giving us good seats. No, it was a couple of the American journalists went to FIFA and said, we do not want to be in the same section we were in when Grant was there. Yeah. And so they moved us down. We never we never went back to that section again, which was higher up in the stadium. Um, there were two other journalists that died. One was Qatari or worked in Qatar. I think he was Egyptian. The other one, I don't know. But um, there were little, um, you know, books, remembrance books. Pic- they, their pictures were in all the media centers and, and they were in different media centers. So it wasn't, it was like a traveling exhibition, essentially. Right. They took it to the different media centers, a little book you could sign, a condolence book. And the next day, I did go to a game the next day, the day after it happened. And in my row, Grant was supposed to sit there. That's where his media ticket was for that game. And there was a picture of him. There were two dozen roses there uh, put out by FIFA. They did a little tribute to him before the game. That was that was really touching. I think that's the most emotional I got, Right. just seeing where he was supposed to be and then the tribute on the board. And, and a steady stream of people coming up to that seat. It was a very high in the stadium. It wasn't something you could stumble across. Right. But FIFA volunteers, other journalists – fans people found out that it was there and they came by to some of them just to come by and say the respect some of them t- took pictures um and there was a fifa official that stood guard there the entire game which was really a nice tribute yeah it certainly seems well thank you for sharing that i appreciate that um i, I wanted to uh 
wanted to let everybody know we're going to get to Galaxy Talk. We're going to trust me. We're we're going to get all fired up here in just a matter of a couple minutes. I wanted to sort of point out that my voice is still a little toast. Uh, I caught a cold and then was out in the wind yelling and screaming for about six hours and apparently fried some vocal cords. So this is on about two days of vocal rest. Yes. You know who I didn't see at the World Cup? Speaking of galaxies. <laughs> who? The one and only galaxy participant. Yeah. Which what, Martin oh, Caceres. Uh, I did not see Uruguay play in person. No, and I don't I don't know that he got any minutes. I kept trying to see if he was playing or doing. I don't I don't think he played any minutes um in the tournament. Well, Maybe I didn't miss anything. Yeah, exactly. You, you didn't and now there's a big question mark about whether or not uh Caceres is gonna come back, right? And so that's a that's a big question as well. Let's get to now with this LA Galaxy. First of all, I'd like to welcome you, 2023. This is season 15 of Corner of the Galaxy. Uh, normally, we don't make a big deal about the seasons, but whenever you've been doing it for this, what will be our 15th season, um, and that's from me, not Kevin. When Kevin was asking how long he he has been uh, doing the show, and I go, I don't keep track of that. Why would I care about what when when you showed up? I just, I, I think this is a club option season for me. <laughs> every every year is a club option for you. All right, um, it's uh, it's certainly uh, an interesting one. It's going to be. I, it could go both ways for me uh, whenever we look at season 15 and just sort of how it's starting, Kevin. I could get very, very done with this LA Galaxy team if they sort of continue down the path that they're continuing down right now, which is uh, we don't really care about letting anybody know what's going on and we don't really care about whether or not you think we cheated or not cheated or, hey, we're going to try to throw somebody else under the bus. It's been a lot of nothing and maybe they're trying to give everything room to breathe right maybe everybody they think everybody's not very smart like all of our our listeners here in the chat room or maybe you and i kevin they don't think we're very smart that we will lose attention and we won't pay attention i am getting to that point where it's sort of sort of one of those things like do i want to keep paying attention and keep putting in the effort to cover this team knowing that you're sort of sitting in this spot right now where there's not a lot of information going on so i think that's something that could happen this year um, well, I, I, a couple of things on that, I, and we'll get to the Chris Klein thing later, but this is right. part of it. There is this arrogance of, uh, and we'll, again, we'll explain the arrogance, but, but just on your point, there's an arrogance of, we'll tell you what you, what we want you to know when we want to tell you that. So you ask a question and it's never an answer. What are you doing? Are you guys going into the free agent market? Are you going to try to sign a DP? We'll let you know when we're ready to let you know. That's not the way you run an organization. That's not the way you build a fan base or a media following. Um, it, it say, essentially, they're telling the fans, look, please buy your tickets and please come to the games and please buy the jerseys. And by the way, we'll tell you who's on the team when we're good and ready to tell you what's on the team. The other part of it, which, again, we'll talk about too, is when you look at going into the season, I, I think back to the Bruce Arena years, and I know he's he's you know Sir Bruce around here, and, and we, we both really love and respect Bruce and maybe maybe – give him more credit than, than it's due. But my point being last year, they wanted Resnick. They wanted Acosta. They wanted a midfielder. They didn't get anybody they wanted. And it was until August until they solved that problem. This year, we're already seeing Aaron Long was somebody that they apparently were interested in. He's going somewhere else. The galaxy never used to whiff on guys that they really wanted or needed. Right. It's like a lot of times they would get that guy and another guy to back them up. Yep. Now it seems like their first, they're not getting their first, second, third or fourth choice. Well, I mean, as somebody, I think, correctly in our Discord had pointed out at one point, it took a long time to spiral into this complete dumpster fire. And so it's probably going to take a long time to spiral out of the dumpster fire. Like, it's difficult to have quick reactions whenever this stuff happens. But the bottom line is that uh, it feels like everything is shrouded in mystery in a when 
a simple press release or a simple conversation or, or things like that could clear a lot of things up very quickly, right? I mean, it's like, oh, this is what we're doing and this is what we're doing. Here's who's in charge. We all think right now that Greg Vanny is in charge because supposedly Chris Klein isn't allowed to be in charge of sporting of sporting decisions or anything that's going on under his suspension. Um, and so that's one of the things. Let me get to some super chats and then let's dive into and talk about what's going on with the Galaxy as we approach uh, the start of the season here. Uh, Tim gave us a $10 super chat says happy 2023 G's welcome back. Panda go galaxy. We appreciate that, Tim. Thank you. And Scott gave us a $20 super chat. He says, let's go Kings have to cheer on my other, uh, my other LA team. I might have to switch my season tickets over to them since the galaxy haven't done anything about the cheating. Have a great show. Second period is starting. So Scott is out watching the Kings. That's another AEG team. It is. It is. And, and run very differently, very differently in terms of, I, I don't know. There's, it's interesting what they've done in contrast to how the Galaxy are run. A lot of similarities in terms of how they have decided to do that, but it seems like with with uh, with the Kings, the Kings get it, right? And so there's somebody who's in charge who's really driving things, and that seems to be the opposite of what's happening with the LA Galaxy. So that's something that's sort of going on here. We now, Kevin, if you're playing, if you're playing the home game, have 53 days until the LA Galaxy. Uh, will host LAFC at the Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl coming up on February 25th. Um, the big deal about this is the LA Galaxy tweet about this every 20 seconds or so. Yes, that's an exaggeration. Is it much of an exaggeration? No, not really. Um, they had Mark Delgado was supposedly supposed to be in the Rose Parade yesterday. You got the press release. I got the press release. I watched yeah. the Rose Parade. I stumbled across the exact right time to watch, and I saw Cosmo for at least a tenth of a second. No mention of the Galaxy. No mention of the game right past it. But was Marky there? I, I imagine he was. He was, I mean, I saw pictures that he was there, but I mean, you would never know by watching the broadcast. So if there was this idea that this was going to be some sort of uh, marketing boom, right? And, and sort of say, hey, this would be cool because they're going to be on the Rose Bowl float and Mark Delgado is going to be there. Maybe that was never the intent. It certainly seemed like the intent with the press release and everything that was going on that, you know, hey, the Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl Parade and or the Rose Parade was going to announce, you know, on TV that these guys, oh, well, the Rose of the LA Galaxy will host LAFC coming up in the traffic. Like you would expect that there was a soundbite. Nothing. Crickets. Was he did it say that he would be on the float? Because maybe yes. he was in the float. Maybe he was the driver. <laughs> and you can't see those guys. You know, they're like inside. And they're covered with flowers. That, that was probably it. No, he had a he had a, um, a teal green jacket on, which is indications of, if you've seen anything. Uh, the LA Galaxy and the possibility of the teal green kit that is replacing the um, the community kit. Um, just again, that seems to be more and more solidified. So they're going to be the thing. men of teal. Yeah, I mean, it is a throwback. I, as as I pointed out on the show many times already, um, I wouldn't have done it so close to the community kit, but I guess you keep the colorway alive if you do it that way. I'm trying to. I'm really trying to talk myself into it. I haven't done it so far. Uh, LA Galaxy just four days away now of reporting for preseason to uh, Dignity Hill Sports Park where they will get started. Uh, we'll talk about whether Douglas Costa will be one of those guys. And certainly there is a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of uh, question marks uh, exactly who's going to be on the team and whether Douglas Costa is going to be on the team. Why not? We'll explain some theories sort of behind all of that. But let's talk, Kevin. Now, we've we've hinted at it. We've even had small discussions about it. Uh, there was some uh, let's say there was some speculation on my part for sure. Mm -hmm that perhaps the LA Galaxy would let Chris Klein's contract run out, that he hadn't received a contract extension, and that that contract would probably term out at the end of 2022. I don't know that. It just seems like a good time to have your contract termed out if you're a professional 
um, if you're in the professional sports area and your seasons run within a singular calendar year, right? You would expect that perhaps your 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 contract starts on January 1st and it ends on December 31st. So there were certainly some indications or at least some some speculation that that could be the case. <laughs> we had heard at least some rumblings early on, Kevin, that perhaps Chris Klein was was in the resignation that would resign, would walk away, would do something. Those pan those didn't pan out, um, and now. I don't know what how how do you how do you explain the reaction from the LA Galaxy right now when you ask uh, about well, Chris Klein? I'll, I'll take it from here for a few minutes. You can go around some bapo rub on your chest there. That's the way they say in Spanish, bapo rub. Um, you know what you were talking about earlier is the is the way the Galaxy appear different, and I, I think it's a lack of confidence. Um, you know that they don't want to tell us what they're doing because they really don't know if they're going in the right direction and they don't want to deal with the criticism they might have. And they're not completely sold on the direction they may be going in. So perhaps they might want to change horses in midstream and they don't want us to ask, how come you changed your mind? Um, so I, I think a lot of what you were talking about simply goes back to a lack of confidence. And that was certainly was not a problem when Bruce was here, not to keep, you know, going back to that flogging that dead horse again. But the Chris Klein thing was interesting. You know, I, I, I kept going back and forth and back and forth during the season, the beginning of the season. I, I, it didn't look like he was going to last out the year. Then things turned around and made the playoffs. And according to Chris, they, they set franchise records for sponsorship revenue, which I believe because they signed a huge new deal with, with Herbalife. And he said also ticket revenue. They set a franchise record for that. And that's what he's in charge of. He is the president, but his purview primarily is sponsorships and revenue, um, the business side of it. So he knocked it out of the park, and I thought, well, that that's it. He's coming back. You know, he, he did what he was supposed to do. Then there was the the whole uh, thing with Pavone and Chris's suspension and the two million dollar fine that the Galaxy got. Um, and then I thought, well, I don't see how he survives this. And and the timing did appear to be right for a number of things. He's he's on finishing now or just finished on Saturday. Finished his second five year contract. So that's 10 years. I think a year before he was also vice president. So that's 11 years as an executive. That's a long time. I don't know that there's any other MLS team that's had a chief executive uh, at his level for 10 years. That's a long time. So whether you think he did a good job or a bad job, sometimes it's just a good time to change the driver and give, you know, have another face in there and another voice. Plus he's also a co-chair of the world cup 2026 committee. That's going to get real busy now. The, the World Cup cycle for the 2026 World Cup has begun. He's going to be needed uh, to, to pay some attention to that. This was a good time for him to leave, a face-saving time. He could say, look, I'm leaving the Galaxy because I need to, to uh, take care of World Cup business. Uh, it looks like he's moving on to a promotion. It, it all looked good. And so from Cutter, after the, um, after the suspension and, and the fine word, it was on December 9th. Um, actually, before that, I started talking to somebody at AEG. I asked the Galaxy, is Chris Klein coming back? Do you have a sense of whether Chris Klein will be back? I didn't feel like I have Chris's phone number and email. I didn't feel like it was an appropriate question to ask Chris. I felt like AEG and the Galaxy needed to answer that question. So I went to the Galaxy first, and I got a lot of replies of, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. We're not quite sure. We haven't heard. So then I went to AEG, and I talked to uh, some people executives over at AEG, and I got the runaround over there, too. The first response was, oh, gee, I don't know. Let me check. What? You don't know if the if the president of one of your major properties is, is coming back? You don't know that? So I gave them a couple of days to check that out. I messaged again, asked, have you heard anything? 
And I got, oh, great World Cup story today. It was wonderful. Are you having a good time over there? Again, not answering the question. I finally told them, look, I'm prepared to write that the Galaxy and AEG do not know whether their president is coming back and do not know whether he's been offered a contract and that nobody will speak to that. Um, I immediately got a response to that from the Galaxy where they said, look, um, we're working out some things. Uh, we will let you know. You'll be the first one to know. Um, and, you know, we'll let you know what happens. So then I, I decided to give them a couple of weeks. Well, Saturday was the last day. So on Friday, I messaged the Galaxy again and said, what do you know? And they said, nobody's in the office. We'll be back on January 3rd. We'll let you know on January 3rd. You will have an update. That's today, January 3rd. I messaged Chris at that point. Chris said he was on vacation with his family and that he would also speak to me when he got back to the office. Today is the first business day of the new year. Crickets, nothing from the Galaxy. January 3rd was their, their deadline for telling me what was going on. Nothing from Chris. So right now I'm going to go back to the original response from AEG. We don't know if we have a president or not. We do not know if the Galaxy has a president. We do not know if Chris Klein is the chief executive. We do not know who's in charge of our team. That appears to be the best response that I can get from AEG at this point. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it's it's strange in one, but like it, it's clear obfuscation if, if you're really, if you're paying it. Otherwise, why not just tell everybody what's going on, right? It, it's a yes or no question. Is Chris Klein the president? Yes or no. Do you have a president? Yes or no. It's not like, we'll get back to you on that. No, it's not. You don't get back to me on that. Yes or no. We right. have a president. We don't have a president. And, and and the bottom line is the longer that it plays out, the more convinced I am that they're trying to figure out some good way to announce that he already received the contract extension at some point. Right. And, and or didn't or didn't. Right. But at the same time, if they if they didn't give him a contract extension, why would you want to marry yourself to a guy who just got your organization caught cheating? Even if and you and I have heard this, the undercurrents certainly are that the guy who was really responsible for the cheating is no longer here with us. So, well, that was one of the things when I first heard from the galaxy, they contacted me and Cutter um, about two thirty in the morning. Thank you very much to tell me that this was going to come down and give me a warning. I really, really super appreciated that. That was a, a great thing to do. But the conversation, once they gave me the news, the conversation quickly went to, but you know, the guy really responsible for this is no longer here. And we're not going to mention his name, but you can figure it out for yourself. Oh, gee, that was really hard to figure out. Right. So the idea of them contacting me ahead of the MLS release was partly probably to make me aware of it. And I appreciate that. But I think the other part of it was to plant the seed that no one here is really responsible. We're all clean. We're all fine. And I did talk to, to Dennis to close up about that. And he he said um, for it to come out now, um, he didn't deny it. He didn't deny that he was responsible right. for what happened, but he didn't confirm it either. It was kind of like, eh. but he did say he doesn't, he, he, his thing was, look, I don't want to go back and live in the past. I'm moving forward. But he also said, you know, he suggested the timing's a little weird. This is three years old now. Uh, who would bring it up now? Yeah. Uh, so, is it somebody with an ax to grind or, yeah. or you know, and, and you and I talked about who it could possibly, we're not going to talk about it here, but, but I think Dennis and, and Chris or anyone else who wants to make that argument, there's probably you know a good argument to be made that there are, there are some people that would have a reason to want to do this. Yeah, I mean, sure. There, and there are usually is, and whether that's to, to get a foot up on somebody else and you know, you're trying to advance, it's, it's cutthroat. I mean, in certain ways, it's everything goes or anything goes, right, in, in terms of trying to move up the ladder and be successful. I mean, some people do that by building bridges, Kevin, and some people do that by burning bridges, right? There's, there's ways of different leadership all, all the different time. 
Um, I I said I, I just don't get I just don't get the president thing. You know, either you have a president or you don't, and you say yes or no, and then yes but or no but. Fine, okay, give me the but, and then give me your argument. But to say we're not going to answer that, we're not going to answer a simple question: is it sunny or is it rainy? And we're not going to answer that question. Right. Uh, we'll answer it when we're ready. And it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. The fans aren't smart enough to understand what's going on. We'll tell you when we're good and ready to tell you. In the meantime, please give us your money and go buy a jersey. I, you know, and I, I get it because there's a lot of fans that say, hey, listen, you know, the Galaxy don't owe us anything, Kevin, in terms of telling us what's going on or, or doing that. Uh, they absolutely, not us, the, no. the media, but the fans, they definitely owe the fans. But, but I will say this. You and I have gone through this with multiple different coaches, different front, like different people in the front office, maybe same people. But, you know, there's been different personalities throughout all this. Some of the most exciting off seasons we've had that you and I have been able to bring to not only tell the fans about, but to it is times when we've had people who wanted to communicate with us and wanted to sort of lay out their plan for people and wanted to be part of the conversation. It's almost like, um, and and I think Greg Vanny is extremely open when he wants to be right, it, and which is sort of saying he doesn't necessarily want to be open. But he, whenever you talk to him, whenever you get him one on one, Kevin, whenever he's agrees agrees to talk to us, he's outstanding. You can ask him any question; you're going to get an answer. And if you want to sit there and talk to him for ninety minutes, he'll gladly sit there and talk to you for ninety minutes, right? Like he's, it doesn't matter whatever was on his book before you got there. He's going to make sure that he's going to talk to you, and you're going to get what you need. But. I also think that Greg Vanny is very good at circling the wagons and cutting things off right now. And if indeed acting as the sporting director for the LA Galaxy, which puts him in the top spot to make all sporting decisions for the LA Galaxy right now. And you saw it on draft day with the uh, brain trust in the room making those decisions, right? Um, You know, then he's going to circle those wagons. It's going to be quieter. But at the same time, whenever you're talking about the biggest question, that is currently out there for the LA Galaxy, which is, do they have a president? Will they be searching for a president? I have, have people been contacted about possibly coming in to be new presidents. You're not going to get any answers from that. That seems short-sighted in so many ways, especially going into what? a game, Kevin, where like you have this Rose Bowl game, right? What, which was Chris's brainchild. Chris's brainchild. They are plugging this like crazy. I imagine if you keep waiting, they're going to be giving away seats for free here in no time because I'm telling you, it doesn't feel like there is that success of of the of the Rose Bowl, especially going against a team that just won a championship. Well, I, I told you before we started, I, I think LAFC is going to pack the place and I, I think it's going to be a Galaxy Road game. Um, but there's this Chris's idea. And, and and I actually think it was a good idea if you're going to have that third game and, you know, it's a way to create excitement and all that. And it was Chris's idea. People may be asking why, it, you know, if we decide Chris is the president, but he's really in charge of the business side. Now, first of all, Greg is extremely comfortable being the coach and the sporting director. He did it in Toronto. He had, he won an MLS Cup and a Supporter Shield doing that. He won the only treble in MLS history doing that. He's comfortable doing that. So why does it matter if there's a president? Well, it matters because if you have the office of the president and it's not filled, there's a little bit of dysfunction there. And we've known over the last four or five years, dysfunction has kind of been the way that Galaxy have run this front office. So it is important to have a person there. Um, or or to decide we're not going to have a person if they if they want to do that. But to leave it in limbo. And then back to what you said, uh, the Galaxy don't necessarily uh, owe me or you an answer to anything, but they do owe it to the fans. And unfortunately for the fans or for the Galaxy, 
we're kind of the, the media, you and I and Damien and, and you know, the Scott guys, the guys from Striker now. I mean, Alex Ruiz is doing an amazing job, too. I just wanted to pump Alex up because I follow him and he gets me all excited. So sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Well, yeah, we are the conduit. I mean, they can't individually call up every season ticket holder. We are the conduit. And and we talk to fans. You and I talk to fans through social media and, and in person all the time. And they tell us a lot of times what questions to ask or what they're interested in and allow us to form the questions. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of stuff online about what's going on with Chris Klein, and we're asking that question, and they're not answering it. And I think, again, it goes back to there's not a lot of confidence in the direction of this franchise, and I think that's why they're afraid to answer these questions. It's crazy. Uh, it's so, and, and that's why it almost gets to the point, and, and you know, uh, how do I say this without people? Cruci- the, the, here's the whole thing is I do this because I enjoy the – the act of covering things. I enjoy the act of putting podcasts together. I enjoy the act of talking with players and coaches and putting all this stuff together. They're making me not enjoy any of this, right? It's like, you know what? If this is going to become a job for me, I'll go do something else. Like I, you know, this is your job. You have to do it. Me. I don't have to do this. I could go do something else. Right. And it's sort of sitting there and I sit there and go, you know, and I still think I have a really good relationship with a lot of people in the front office. It's, it's not that. Right. But it's the the way that I see fans being treated right now is is not right. And where I think, you know, you and I can, can certainly give a voice to that as we're doing. Um, you know, I, I just don't know where the end game is there. It, overall, the the social media fervor that we see for, you know, knowing about Chris Klein is a small, minor, you know, little uh, vocal minority. Whenever you look at it, Kevin, it's not the whole world at large. Whenever it, the galaxy must be doing fine on season tickets, they finished very well. They must be doing fine. I don't know how being I know a lot of people who left and said, I'm done. I'm not buying season tickets anymore. I know a lot of people who are like this. This Rose Bowl game is going to be, you know, uh, not good for the galaxy and everything else. I mean, it just it feels like it's they're they're making me not care. And and that's hard to do for somebody who's been covering this team for, you know, 14 seasons into the 15th now. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it should be it, it should be a lot easier when you want to talk to players or coaches or just get answers to questions. It should be a lot easier. And I know Chris and I had our uh, Chris Klein and I had our issues last year. He was very upset with me in midseason when I was writing about the dysfunction of the team, I never, I never ever wrote Chris Klein should be fired. I did beg the question of whether he should continue. That's a different question. Um, but the point was the team was struggling when the team went great guns at the end of the season and they set re- revenue records. I wrote Chris Klein did a great job. You know what? I, I wrote what was going on and, and that's, you know, Chris and I have had problems before where he talked about, Oh, you used to be so positive about our team, and now you're negative. <laughs> well, because you were winning World uh, MLS Cups right. all the time. <laughs> it's you were winning. I haven't changed. <laughs> yeah, I haven't changed the score. The score lines have changed. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, it's not you know I mean when you when you look at that if if they perform and they do well and they're successful, my stories are going to reflect that. If they're not doing well and they're unsuccessful, my stories are going to reflect that too. So. You know, but but with the team, you know, you go out there and you want to talk to a player and it's like, oh, he's not available today and he's whatever. When they make it hard, you're right. It's you don't want to do that. You don't want to spend your time making that drive and and then doing all the research for an interview and then going back and writing the story when you can't talk to the guy you wanted to talk to or there's obstacles put in your way. It just makes it very, very difficult. And, you know, I I can understand. I don't like it i suppose i can understand it if you're talking about the nba or the nfl or whatever but those 
those teams are actually much easier to deal with. With soccer, we keep hearing everyone, we're trying to grow the sport. We're really trying to introduce soccer to Southern California. We really want to become the sport of Southern California and, and you know, help us do that. Help us tell our story. Well, give me some access. I can go to the Lakers practice and get LeBron James any day of the week, but I can only talk to your guys on certain days. Yeah, you know, it, what's it, that all about? It does. It just and and by the way, I think that the galaxy overall, and I've seen them be way more difficult, right? So you and I have seen them be way more difficult. We we've seen in this particular situation, they're being extremely difficult, and clearly there's a reason for that, right? But you and I have seen that us be frustrated for no reason, just in a regular season, just because they play bad, um, where it's difficult to get things done, it's difficult to do these things, right? So, um, it, it's different. It's different levels. I understand. I think they're playing a game here where they're trying to stretch everything out either because they're eventually going to announce that Chris Klein didn't have a contract or because they're going to announce that he has an extension. And he's going to come back. And how do you welcome back? And, and we, and we don't, we have to say to fans that want it, it, we want the answer yes or no as well. And we don't have it. And no. so we're, we are kind of speculating. It could be, it could come back. It could not come back. We we've asked the question. We've asked for a yes or no answer. We haven't gotten it. So that's, that's, that's where we're at. And it, it, just one more thing on, on, on covering the team. I th- there seems to be, uh, with some people, there's always a confusion. Oh, you, you know, you must be a Galaxy fan. You cover the Galaxy. Or you must be an LAFC. I'm not a fan of either team. You know what I'm a fan of is the story. If I, I just want to write a good story. And I don't care if the team wins or loses. I really don't. But I will say it's much more fun to be around a winning team than a losing team because everyone's happier and and the team plays better. I mean, you don't. I covered the Marlins in in, in Miami for right. a number of years, and that was horrible. <laughs> they were out of the pennant race by July, and they played terrible. And every game was sixteen errors, right. and it went on forever because pitchers couldn't get anyone out. I hated that. I'd much rather go off and go out and see the Galaxy win twenty two games because that means they're playing really well and everyone's happy. It's exciting. Having said that, though, I don't cheer for that. Yeah, I I always say. Because clearly, in in the position that I've uh, you know put myself in, um, there is a disconnect between you know what how how I approach things and maybe how other people approach things as fans and and other ways. Um, I've always said I always I always want success for the players I'm covering, and if that makes me like cheer for them internally in my head, then that's okay for me. I'm okay. I want to see them succeed because I love covering that story. I love the success story. Also. Some of the best stories I've ever written came at the complete opposite end of that spectrum, right? Which is the complete disdain, heartbreak, tearing apart, dumpster fire, everything that has ever happened. 2017 had some of the best stories I've ever written. And that entire season, you want to crumple up and throw away if you're an LA Galaxy fan. So it's it's always the different things. We are always... and. It's funny because I, I think the fans know this, Kevin. I have fans who DM me all the time asking me questions. I'm very easily and accessible. You're very easy and accessible. Like it's not hard to get a hold of us. So sometimes I find it hysterical whenever you hear like Galaxy front office people are say like that, but like oh well, like you didn't reach out to me. It's like it's a two way street, right? You know, you know where yeah. this podcast comes on most almost all the time, Mondays and Thursdays. You know where I'm going to be. You know my cell phone number or somebody who's in your organization, knows my cell phone number, knows my email address. I've been around for 14 seasons. You know... 15 now. Yeah, this will be 15. You know how to get a hold of me, so don't ever use that. If you have a problem, talk to me. I'm right here, right? And it's like, it's like I don't have time all the time to go and hunt down and chase things, all right? So if you want to... You don't want to come on the, anybody within the LA Galaxy organization, AEG organization. If Uncle Phil is listening, call on in, Uncle Phil. We'll gladly have you on the podcast. 
all of these things. So that's that's the other part about this is I think we've always been very fair. I've never said, no, we're not going to have somebody on the podcast. That has never happened in our entire history of the thing. Nope. Come on. Let's do it. Um, $10 super chat from Raphael as we wrap this up. Uh, welcome back, guys. This show is making me sad and angry, but all this needs to be said. Thanks for asking the tough questions. Well, I mean, I ask softball questions. Kevin's Kevin's pretty softball-y, too, whenever, you know, whenever well, I said. How is, how is this a tough question? Do you have a president? How, yes. <laughs> softball. Check yes. Softball check question. No. Uh, yeah, you, you, need to, you need to slip him a note in, in, uh, in rec- at recess. That's what you need to do with little check boxes. Uh, too bad this FO doesn't have any of the right answers. That's from Raphael. Appreciate that. Certainly going. All right. Uh, let's see. Where do we, we think about go? Aaron Long and, and we can't yet. Yeah. You and, don't. I don't want you to go that Costa. far. Talk about MLS Media Day. San Jose coming up this oh. this next week, right? And next yes. week it's Tuesday. It starts Tuesday. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, MLS has this uh, thing called a Media Day, which is really actually really cool. And they do not do it for us. They do it for TV. What happens is when you see those graphics during TV game of Carlos Vela or Chicharito or whomever, and they have the cool graphics behind them and all that, and they maybe do a little interview with the guy. That's all done on MLS Media Day. It's done in the preseason. And so what happens is every – for this occasion, they've rented out the San Jose Convention Center, and uh, each team will bring up to three players. The Galaxy are bringing Julian Araujo, Chicharito, right. and Ricky Pooh. Tell everybody, though, that's not normal, though. Like, normally no. it's two players. At, or one. Or one, uh, yeah. It, and some teams are bringing one or two players. Um, all 28 teams will be there. They will have a representative there. And they come and they do TV. But MLS came up with this idea of, hey, since they're all there in the building and we're there all day, we're going to be there from seven, uh, 9 in the morning to 7 at night. Since they're all there doing this TV stuff, um, let's just bring them in for 20 minutes. Each each guy comes in for 15 or 20 minutes, sit down in a, you know, in a conference room with all select media that's been invited, and let them just – answer questions for 20 minutes. And so what I do on that day is I uh, obviously pay attention to the local players, but I also tape other interviews. Maybe somebody from Cincinnati is talking about um, the difficulty of playing in, in Houston in the summer for whatever reason. That's what their beat writer asked them. Right. Well, I, now I have that. And if I write a story about the playing in the summer in Houston, I got the Cincinnati guy talking about it, this Nashville guy, whatever. So I save all these interviews and I use them throughout <laughs> the year um, but it, it's, it's a really good idea. And, and for the most part, the guys are cooperative. You were there one time when Dom Dwyer was not cooperative. Oh. That was very interesting. Well, you know, he's still a free agent, so you should, I don't want to bring that up again because <laughs> you know that with our luck, he'll end up landing then at, at the galaxy. Um, no, I mean the, the thing that I think is the most interesting thing is, is as you said, I don't normally get invited to these. Kevin usually makes them invite me to them, and there's no way I was going to San Jose. So I'm not even upset. I didn't get invited. Um, usually they have been the past been in Los Angeles where it's easy for me to drive through. And then like I go and they were in Los Angeles because Fox and ESPN have a presence here. Right. It, they're up there now because Apple TV Plus is in Cupertino, which yes. is right next to San Jose. So yeah, that's why they're in so, San but, Jose. But it's really fun to sort of see. Not only do you get to beat the meet the beat writers from like some of the other places that send people that type of thing, um, but there's obviously nationally national writers there as well. But it's just fun to interact with guys who you don't have to cover all the time or that you don't get to see, and you get to meet some amazing personalities and like just have. I don't know. I usually end up having a blast whenever I go. Um, and it's just fun to sort of hear the questions and hear the answers and, and, and all that stuff. So it's a really interesting time. 
you you said it. The Galaxy will have um, have Chicharito, uh, Julian Araujo, and Ricky Pouch, right? So those are the three that will be there. So anybody questioning about whether or not Chicharito is coming back? Because I know there's some of those people. Um, he's coming back if they have him as media day. Again, they're going to do this for TV. TV guys really hate to do spots and then have that guy not play um, ever again. So so he'll be there. Um, and we'll get our first look at St. Louis as well. St. Louis will have uh, three players there as well. So much fun. So anyway, so so that's coming up. MLS Media Day, you will be there. So we will then get to talk to you after uh, that. We'll see what transpires and what uh, what happens. Maybe there'll be something interesting that happens again, Kevin. Never know. Maybe Dom Dwyer will show up and refuse to talk to somebody again. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know you go in there sort of it starts out very early in the morning you, and everyone has the the sort of cliche questions and it's really boring at the beginning and then as we get tired and the players maybe get a little tired it starts to get a little bit better. I remember there was one that we had that was in uh, Torrance and it was at a hotel in Torrance and the last guy of the day came and some guys didn't even turn on their tape recorders they were just exhausted and it was just basically. Like, hey, how's your, how's it going? And I forget who the player was, but he just went off on Jurgen Klinsmann not calling in American players for the national team. And that, that turned out to be the story of the day. It was the last guy that yep. came in, and nobody even asked him a question. Right. I love it. I love it. It's always good. So anyway, as you said, up in San Jose, up near Cupertino. Is it in Cupertino? No, it's in San, at the San Jose <laughs> Convention. Okay, San Jose Convention. So it's right next door to Apple TV+, Plus, which is why everything is there, and that's going to hook up. And then you, I think, did you tell everybody that you're going to go? To, to yeah, I'm going to go over to Apple TV Plus, and and my question for them is, let's see if they answer. It's a yes or no question. Is Chris um, Klein your president? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, that, maybe I'll walk into that one. I, cool. I, every every player who comes into MLS Media Day, just ask them if Chris Klein is their president. That, I think well, wouldn't it be cool if I did go to Apple TV Plus and there was like a, a an office and Chris Klein's name was on the door. There you go. Um, no, but I, my my question for them is, Apple TV Plus had nothing to do that I know of with soccer. Until Ted Lasso, and then Ted Lasso showed them. I think uh, this is, but the question appeared to show them that there was a market for soccer. That soccer could be a vehicle. That soccer could be popular, and it could draw an audience. And it's just interesting after two hit seasons with with Ted Lasso, that Apple TV Plus decides to to, to give a quarter billion dollars to MLS to show their games. And I wonder if there's a connection between the two. So that would be my line of question. I hope you have more than just that question. Whenever, because when they laugh at you and tell you no, you're going to have to need something else that, that backs up for that. Um, well, Coach Beard, Coach Beard might be there. I, that's what I, that's hoping. what you told me. You, I mean, that yeah. would that would that'd be like the sixth time you've met him. Zero times for me. Knock six times wood. for you. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo before we get into the rumors and everything that's sort of going down. So yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo going uh, to what is it? It's Al Nasser in in Saudi Arabia, right? Yeah, basically retiring. Uh, it, it was interesting, too. There Apparently, there was a player there that had his number, seven, which he uses in his autographs and marketing and everything else, and refused to give the number up, so the team just uh, voided his contract, and he's out of a job now. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, essentially, he's retiring because the, the level of competition is nothing like he's used to. Well, and getting a tremendous amount of money, but there was interest from Major League Soccer, and it was reported that the team that was closest to signing him was Sporting Kansas City. Um, which is interesting, but then one of the reasons the Sporting Kansas City was in that position is because Sporting Kansas City had the "quote unquote" discovery rights to Cristiano what Ronaldo. A great, they what a great scouting staff to 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 uncover this diamond in the rough in Europe to beat the bushes and find this guy named Ronaldo who apparently has a talent for this game. How did they do it? Now the thing I find interesting about that is is well, first of all, the idea of discovery rights and a guy like Ronaldo is stupid, um, but the idea of uh, 
I've always thought, and I think it's been borne out by the signings, that for the most part, players, big name players that come to, you know, Schweinsteiger is is uh, is is the exception that proves the rule. He went to Chicago. Chicago's but still a most, very large market, by the way. I mean, yeah, I know it doesn't exactly fit in, but yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, and and the other thing I was going to say is it's really cold there, but he's coming from Germany, so he probably bought Bermuda shorts and a tank top. Um, but for the most part, the, the MLS big star player seems to me to go to New York and L.A. And when you when agents talk about you know, when they threaten to bring their players to MLS, which, by the way, don't believe half of that stuff. Right. They're just throwing out the names that they come up with. And it's LAFC, the Galaxy, and, and New York City, and now Miami a little bit. Those are where the star players seem to wind up. And when, when Kansas City had a legitimate chance, according to, to a lot of people that have followed this, that they were very close to a deal with Cristiano Ronaldo. When sporting Kansas City, and it's no knock on the franchise, it's a very good franchise, a very good coach. But when they are almost about to nail somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, I think it kind of proves the league is growing a little bit and, and that it's just not a West Coast, East Coast that, that now other teams can compete too. You said that, and I said I think it's horrible that basically MLS's best chance was dictated by fake discovery rights. It's like if you as a league wanted to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, wouldn't you want your best teams to go after your biggest name teams, the ones with the largest global reach, to go after Cristiano Ronaldo to really put a package that is together, right? And so when you have like, you know, uh, I said it's like your fifth best car salesman trying to close the biggest deal that the car that the whole dealership, you know, could could survive off for years and years and years. When you do that, um, it just, it's one of those rules for MLS that I think is not a, a good rule It's one of those things that is hindering the ability and, and for what there are no discovery rights on somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo. All right. Everybody knows who he is. And I know we have it for this anti-competition thing, but when you look at this, having sport in Kansas city is your flag bearer to reach out and sign Ronaldo. Some people are going to say for parody's sake, it's better that everybody has a chance to sign some of these guys, but no, not everybody did have a chance to sign it. It wasn't parody's sake. It wasn't everybody had an equal chance to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. One club sporting Kansas city. They got to, they got to decide what was best for the rest of major league soccer. And I think if Don Garber had his way, he would sit there and be like, that shouldn't have happened. But you know, but the other thing was apparently Cristiano Ronaldo took that seriously, didn't dismiss it because right. it was Kansas City. And, and you know, I, I think we're getting into an era where um, some of these European players are going to be a little bit more discerning. When they start looking at the league, it is more than L.A. and New York. It is. Seattle is a, a tremendous organization, a tremendous city uh, with a European soccer flavor. I think that should be a, a city that should get more attention. Toronto is. Toronto is getting a lot of players. It's a very cosmopolitan city. Um you know, we already know about Miami, although that's a little bit of a dumpster fire with the way the organization is run. It's getting better. And I think Austin is a place that I, I know the summer heat is there, but I think Austin is a with a, a nice market, a nice stadium, a well-run organization. I think people are going to start looking at Austin, too, and then we'll see what happens with St. Louis and if San Diego comes into the mix. Um, I, I think you're starting to see people looking at MLS a, a differently. And there was one thing that struck me, speaking of the World Cup, there was a uh, – most of the interviews are done in, in – in the person's language. If it's a French player, it's in French and you listen through this translation device and you get a translation in English and it's generally very bad, but you can sort of make out what the player's talking about. Kylian Mbappe at one point, um, a question was asked in English by an American journalist because there's no accent and he answered in English. And uh, we couldn't help but think, I wonder if he's telling MLS, hey, I got this. <laughs> if you guys ever want me down the road, right. not now, but down the road, right. I'm ready to come. 
Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the Aaron Long chase. Now, it was widely rumored the LA Galaxy were going after center back uh, U.S. Men's National Team player Aaron Long. He was a free agent. He is widely, I think, considered the highest free agent um, in Major League Soccer in terms. He's of, all from from Southern California. He's also from Southern. Deal. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think he was from uh, from a little inland, right? Redlands. Yeah, Redlands. Yeah. So. Um, so he's a so you're like, okay, local guy, everything's sort of going in there. Lots of things. Now, Taylor Twelman had come out and said that the LA galaxy were not in the hunt, that it was Seattle and Miami who were the two teams that were really locked in for Aaron long. I don't know whether or not it was LA galaxy. Uh, it, certainly it seems that Taylor tweeted out and said the galaxy are now back. This all happened today, by the way. Um, I need to, I need to preface that because we're going to go on a little roller coaster. Um, the LA galaxy are now back into to the Aaron long weeks sweepstakes. That's what Taylor Twelman said. That's what we expected. That's what we were sort of watching. Um, and then very quickly, uh, it turned to, uh, this for the LA galaxy. And then we'll go back. Uh, Tom Bogert saying that the LA galaxy closing in on a down a deal to sign free agent center back, Chris Mavinga, um, Mavinga 31 made 124 MLS appearances with Toronto FC. Uh, and was a mainstay for the 2017 treble winning team. So who coached that team? Uh, that would be Greg Vanny. Um, okay. So you go Where to is he now? yeah. So you go yeah. He's at the Galaxy. Not such act anyway. Okay. I don't know. Maybe you need to ask him if he's in charge. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a coach? Do you have a coach? Who is your coach? Let's start with the easy questions. What's your name? Um, so anyway, so seeing that the Galaxy were back in Long and then seeing Mavinga signs certainly seemed to indicate that the LA Galaxy were no longer in the Aaron Long chase. And that is absolutely correct because Tom Boger came out and said LAFC have reached an agreement in principle to sign Aaron Long. So it goes from LA Galaxy over to LAFC very rapidly, very quickly. One of the things certainly that was hindering or, or seemed to have LA Galaxy pl uh, fans worried about Aaron Long, Kevin, was the amount of money that possibly it was going to take to sign him and whether or not that would make him a designated player. Um, I had been told that he wouldn't go as a designated player. I believe that's still the case, so probably a high TAM player. Um, but there's going to be a lot of TAM money that goes to probably buy that down and make sure that that's a, that's a TAM signing there. But this is the big deal for this right now. And we'll talk about Chris Mavinga here in just a second and tell you what he possibly brings to the LA Galaxy and why maybe this makes sense for LA. But if you remember last year, before the season started, the LA Galaxy wanted Albert Rusnak. Uh, the LA Galaxy wanted Kellen Acosta. The LA Galaxy wanted, uh, let's see, who was uh, Ilya Sanchez, right? And so you had these guys. You had all these free agents that the LA Galaxy were certainly interested in. Now, I'm not going to say it didn't work out for the Galaxy because it did, Kevin. It worked out very well for the Galaxy because they got Ricky Poosh, right? So not getting uh, somebody like Ilya Sanchez probably worked out pretty good because the Galaxy got Ricky Poosh, but it took a while to get there. But what you saw last year was free agents not wanting to come to the LA Galaxy or at least not be high-priced, big-focus free agents. And it certainly seemed like the Galaxy were going to make a play for Aaron Long. They needed the center back. Caceres has his time sort of question mark right now we don't know whether or not he's coming back it's something to talk to greg vanny about as soon as we can so that's where we're sitting right now with this is that it looks like another free agent and whether you wanted them or not it looks like another high price free agent has skipped the la galaxy and not only just uh, we saw this happen last year where they all went to the western conference rivals of the la galaxy well now you have the the former mls cup champions um or the reigning mls cup champions signing uh you know uh aaron long and they're gonna they're gonna have him as as their center back as their starting center back in there. The Galaxy might get a starter in Chris Mavinga, and I think there's a lot of things to talk about. But it feels like rinse and repeat, even with the Galaxy's good finish to the season. And I'll put their play up against anybody last year. 
um, down the stretch. I thought they were playing the best soccer out of anybody down, down that last stretch. Um, it seems like that's not enough to convince people. And maybe the a cheating scandal in the offseason isn't exactly the best way to recruit free agents either. But that seems to have been the case. We, we'll have to talk about the Galaxy and see if that's how, if how we see it is how it played out. Well, I, you know, you have to give some credit to LAFC. And also, by the way, assist to Bruce Arena, who took Latif Blessing and gave LAFC $400,000 in, in uh, allocation money, which I'm sure had a, in, uh, played a role in this deal. But if you're Aaron Long... Um, Chirundolo is a great defensive coach, but so is Greg Vanny. Um, but you get to come to a team that just won the MLS cup that uh, appears to be heading in the right direction, you know, uh, on it still, it's still on the, uh, they won a supporter shield and, and they won the MLS cup and they still seem to be getting better. But I, I wonder too, if, if I'm John Thornton and, and, uh, Steve Chirundolo, I say, Hey, Aaron Long, you know, you're starting, you're, you're a national team defender. How would you like to come play and train every day with, with Cellini and learn a little bit about how he got to be the best center back of his generation. Um, I, I'm sure that that was compelling too. Um, you know, it, it, that's what Bruce Arena used to be. I going back to that again. That's what Bruce Arena used to be so good at using every little piece of that team to help sell it. Um, you know, if it comes down to that, if the money is the same and you're still going to be in Southern California and the choice is LAFC or the galaxy, um, you know, if the money's the same, you know, what, where would you, where would you go? Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I get that. I get that. It, it's just, and, and you're not wrong, but it's up to the galaxy to change the minds of these people. Right. And, exactly. we, ha- and we haven't seen that happen. We you have to give se- them a reason to come. You have to give them a tiebreaker. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, some of that is Greg Vanny. And I think you can certainly argue Greg Vanny is a great coach, but you are, you are fighting uphill right now. And it's something the galaxy have to overcome. I, I heard Aaron Long ask who the president is and they wouldn't tell they wouldn't tell him they didn't know they didn't know that was the big problem um let's get back to tom boger talking about chris mavinga uh so 31 year old center back now with with costaris kevin we don't know whether or not he's coming back again something we need to talk to greg vanny about this is a guy who made almost a million dollars last year with tfc this is not a small time signing and as much as i'd love to say oh maybe this isn't a starter i think even if you're signing somebody for he's going to take a pay cut there's no way he can make a million dollars um, certainly not related to his form coming off. That's my, that's my guess. Uh, he was a free agent. He was one of the upper free agents in terms of defenders who was out there. Um, Alexander, uh, Callens, right. Uh, was one of the big ones. And I think a lot of people were hoping the LA galaxy would go after them. Maybe they still are. I haven't heard that. And I've seen no indication. We knew Aaron long was one. And then, um, it's probably, uh, Mavinga is in that, that next sort of range. It's, I think it's a drop, a huge drop off from there. Um, but he is a guy who's played for with Greg Vanny. We've seen this before from Greg too, right? This is the Victor Vasquez is the Mark Delgado, you know, even Raheem Edwards. This is the guys he knows who he's comfortable with and he wants to bring them in uh, to have some success. And under Vanny, I think Mavinga did have some success. Certainly. Um, whenever you look at his games and some of the things that he did in 2017 with Vanny that year, 26 games played 24 games started. Here's the whole thing though, as a starting center back, Evan, the most games I can get him starting is 24 in a single season. And that starts in 2017. Um, <clears throat> last year, he had uh, 19 games played, 19 games started. Some injury issues, I think some personal issues as well at home. So um, I think that in terms of his passing percentage and sort of what they want from him in terms of what Greg Vanny's going to ask him to do, he probably fits the system even better than Aaron Long because I don't know that Aaron Long was a great possession-based center back out of that. That being said, Aaron Long was also an MLS Defender of the Year 
uh, with New York Red Bulls at one point, right? So, you know, sort of like different levels to all of these different things. Um, so I think that Mavinga probably, when he's healthy and plays, is a good addition. If you can keep Caceres, can Mavinga and Caceres sort of um, sort of trade off in these in these different areas? I think they can. Um, so maybe that gives you the hole. That means, you know, you have Sega back there. Can you transition into a three-man back line with a Mavinga? You probably can. Um, so if you have, you know, if you wanted to start Sega and if you wanted to have uh, Mavinga and if you wanted to have, uh, you know, Kassaris and and however you wanted to do that, you think you could do that. Um, I don't think it's a bad sign. I'm really interesting to see the money, though. Uh, the, money yeah, well, the, the money makes the most, the biggest deal the, for me. The, the money will be important, but there's a couple of things about this. First of all, on one hand, Vanny bringing in guys that he knows, I, that's really important because Greg Vanny talked a lot with us, with the media about guys just aren't, don't seem to be getting what I want them to do on the field. They, they don't seem to be understanding the way I want to play. Well, that's what Mavinga and Victor Vasquez and, and Mark Delgado are supposed to bring that knowledge of how Greg wants to play. I don't think either one of any of those three guys are a franchise changing player. Uh, but they're good, solid players that are going to help be sort of coaches on the field. And Greg's comfortable with them. And that's really important, too. Greg knows what he's getting. It's not a guess. I think with Douglas Costa, it was a guess. And the guess turned out to be incorrect for most of the year. Yeah. Um, he knows what he's getting with these, these guys. And those guys know that what Greg Vanny's about. And, and I think it's to Greg's benefit, you know, to Greg's, uh, uh, you know, it's a vote of confidence for Greg that they came in. You mentioned Caceres a couple of times, and and we don't know if he's coming in. I mean, training camp opens in a couple of days. We should know, but we don't. He is under contract. That doesn't mean he has to come in. And so you look at his perspective, 35 years old, going to be 36, just went to the to his fourth World Cup with Uruguay, did not play much, if at all. Um, there is no World Cup for him in the future. He's not coming in to, to, to prepare for a World Cup in four years. Uh, L.A. is a long way from Uruguay. Um, you know, he may decide that, you know, he's made his money, his, he's not going anywhere, he's not going to make another national team. Maybe this is the time that he steps aside and decides that he wants to be with his family. Um, I could definitely see him not coming back. He does have a contract. I could see him coming back. Um, so, it, you know, that'll be a big part of it. Greg obviously knows. We don't. Maybe that's why he's looking for a defender, because he knows he's not coming back. Yeah, or he's looking to to, to sort of do this. Again, Jalen Neal, Marcus Vercranis, guys, uh, you know, Nick Depew are guys who you would expect are still going to have to make starts, spot starts, and get some time. And if you're going to build up guys like Jalen Neal, now is the time to do it. Um, Mavinga, by the way, made $1,037,500 in the guaranteed comp base salary, $1 million, so $1 million. Uh, that was last year. I do expect that there's a pay cut uh, involved in that if and when he comes to the LA Galaxy. Tom Bogert's usually on his stuff, so I would expect that to happen. Uh, I'm told at least right now that the transfer window opens on January 31st to April 24th. All right. So if you're looking at the um, <clears throat> at the suspension one of Chris Klein, it would go all the way to April 24th. Uh, and then he would be able to come back after that. Um, but you're also looking at when the LA Galaxy have until they, they can sign players is up until April 24th. Uh, listen, the Galaxy needed the, a center back, Kevin. Um, I think they need another center back whenever, like in terms of, you know, what they were looking for. I don't know if Movinga is going to be it and they're done. Um, but if they if Caceres is coming back, then yes, I could see Movinga being it and they're done. Uh, and if they if he's not coming back, then I think they need another one. I think they need a starter. Um, well, remember, they have a, a ton more games this year. Yeah. League's Cup and, uh, and everything else going on. Depth, depth, depth. It, it, you know, that's that's what this whole year is going to be about, depth. And uh, whether or not Greg Vanny can build that and how he can build that, I, I think is going to be 
um, super interesting just in terms of this. And it's worth repeating, and we'll keep saying it the whole time, the Galaxy have to sign all of their international players, or basically anybody who's coming from outside of the league, they have to do it in the primary transfer window up until that April 24th date. They do not have the chance to do that in the summer because of the penalties for cheating. Um, so this is it's a super big focus. I expect it's one that means that the Galaxy will also be somewhat deliberate and maybe a little slower than people would like with picking out who at least one of their DPs is because they have an open DP spot now that uh, Cabral is with Colorado. The other guy, and somebody pointed this out, the fact that Douglas Costa isn't coming to MLS Media Day maybe is a sign. Uh, the fact that Douglas Costa has been out uh, shopping himself around in Brazil is a sign. Uh, it certainly seems as if the LA Galaxy, and this is my speculation, that the LA Galaxy have told him, you are not coming back this next year. We will buy you out if we have to, but we'd rather you find a place to play. So where would you like to go? Let's figure it out and let's get you out of here. Because he was out with Gremio again, uh, going, saying he wanted to write things. He wanted to make things right. And he, you know, he was disappointed with how he left the club the last time or how he behaved, that type of thing. There were rumors all over Brazil that he was talking to uh, a bunch of other clubs as well. Um, so that those rumors and, and where there's smoke, there's fire type of thing. If you're the LA Galaxy and you have a guy who's under contract, you'd probably be pretty upset if your guy is out there and you might even want to say something and be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, that type of thing. The Galaxy are not, which should indicate to be at least indicates to me, Kevin, that they are fully aware that Douglas Costa is out there trying to find a place to play for 2023 because it's not going to be with the LA Galaxy. So that's double interesting because we talk about one open designated player spot. This could be that second double that second designated player spot, even with Gremio, by the way saying that nothing happened and that there was nothing that that no contract has been made and that Douglas Costa will report to the LA Galaxy. I'm going to remind everybody what happened when Giovanni Dos Santos was with the LA Galaxy. And when did they buy him out, Kevin? Do you remember when they bought Giovanni Dos Santos out? The day before the opening game. The day before the opening game. Did Giovanni Dos Santos train with the LA Galaxy the entire time leading up to that preseason? Yes, he did. He did. And so we know that, right? So the next step, if there is anything, is for Douglas Costa to go back to the LA Galaxy and train because that's when camp starts. He will be there um, unless they find a place for him and they can transfer him out now. Well, and let's say they wind up with two open designated player spots. Um, this is a post-World Cup year. We're starting a new World Cup cycle. You know there's going to be a ton of players heading this way in this in, after the, the European season ends in, in May. The Galaxy can't sign any of those players. This is if you're going to get penalized and have two open DP spots. This is the worst time uh, for that to happen together. Got to make your deals now. Bottom line. But but see, uh, but players aren't going to be available now that will be available in in the summer. Yes and no. I mean, some guys are going to be. Yeah, you're you're right. But that's always the case with every transfer window and, and waiting versus not waiting and everything else, right? And I get after World Cup, lots of people like to move. <coughs> Whenever that happens, I get that part. But at the same time, this happens every every year, which is you know who I think who I think could be had. He's apparently very unhappy where he is. Jamie Tart. <laughs> that's I yeah. I, I knew there was a Ted Lasso <laughs> joke coming in there. I just want to do it. So anyway, that's where we are at. All right. Um, it is something that we're going to watch, and obviously we'll see if there's any uh, developments as things go. And lucky for you, there'll be a live show coming up on Thursday. Um, so only one day off and then another LA Galaxy. I don't know what we're talking about. Hopefully there's something, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Is your voice, is your voice going to hold out? What to tell, tell everybody why your voice doesn't work? Because I was out at the train club on January 1st. Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, came out to ride the trains. 
we had a fun run, which was hilarious. Which I, is hilarious. You think it's hilarious? I I think I think he's just he did he's just about fine. nine feet tall sitting in that little train. It, it must have been. It, it is. It is. Pro- <laughs> it was probably pretty funny. I didn't pay attention because the wind was blowing so much that I ended up yelling and screaming for the whole time I was out there to talk to people, and that's how I lost my voice. Not to mention I had a little bit of a cold, but the cold was going away. I just fried my vocal cords. If you would have heard me yesterday, I would have not been this legible. This is the best my voice has sounded ever since that day. So, so we are, we are on our way to mending and I will not talk tomorrow. So that way I'll be ready for Thursday. How about that? All right, good. Glad, glad we had that talk. Are you still there? I, you know what? I didn't miss your I, screen freezing. I, I was yeah, just going to say. It's, I'm, I'm right next to the, to the router and I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> it's your laptop. It's an LA Times laptop. It probably has all sorts of viruses on it, especially if you took it to, especially to now. Yeah. Coming back from Cutter. Yep. So it doesn't surprise me. I have me a virus. My computer has a virus. Yes. Ever, it, it's, it's going around. All right. So um, that's where we stand right now. Uh, that's the LA Galaxy reporting to camp in four days. The LA Galaxy just 53 days away from uh, opening kick. We are starting our 15th season as Corner of the Galaxy. Uh, all that fun stuff is there. Chris Mavinga apparently on the way. Chris Klein, president, not president. Nobody knows. And Joe, what's going on with Joe Tatino oh, and Kobe? Are well, they? I mean, we don't know what's going on with them, do we? No, we don't know for sure. Although I've been told that they're that that. The, it's likely that they will stay employees of the LA galaxy this year. I don't know what that means in terms of whether or not they'll be able to broadcast or do anything else, but I'm sure they're going to find something for them to do. We should make, we should make t-shirts though, by the way, it says, am I the galaxy president? And it should be a question mark. And, <laughs> and like, it should be like, yes and no checkbox like type of thing. I think that's what we should do. Now, why not? Why not do fun stuff? All right. That's what we got. Anything else, Kevin, you want to get to? Somebody's got to be the galaxy president. Might as well be us. <laughs> it might as well. Why not? Why not? All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over there. LATimes.com is where you can find all the soccer coverage. He's going to be up at MLS Media Day next week, so make sure you follow him. I'm sure he'll have lots of fun insights from that. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it is at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our articles, all of our fun stuff is right there for you. So please go out and check that out whenever you get a chance. All right, I think that about does it. We'll be back on Thursday night. We'll see who my co-host is. We'll see how my voice is. We'll see what the LA Galaxy have done in just about 48 extra hours. All right, for Kevin the Panda Baxter, very glad to have him back. I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.